Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Okay, welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop. Steve here with Mike. Hey, hey, everybody. And we've got a special guest who's not here to see us, here to see Mr. Scott Alms above me. Yeah, hi, everyone. Happy to be here. <laughs> hey, Scott. So Scott is here to talk about So You've Been Eaten and a few other games he's probably worked on, too, as we talk about it. But yeah, if you're watching us live on YouTube, feel free to drop your comments into the chat. We'll uh, we'll field any comments live as we're going through this, but we're up fun to chat with Scott. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. First, I'd like to thank our Patreon supporters. This week, I'd like to thank M, a co-op fan, Carl Roberts, a co-op lover, and John Dasa, a co-op MVP. Thanks to our patron supporters and everyone else who supports us. Keeps this content going. Let's just jump into it. Let's get right, right to it. I always like to talk, ask our guests, like, a little bit about the background. And one of the fun questions I like asking is, like, what type of game are you? What type of board games do you like playing? Oh, I'm definitely, like, across the board. Like, I'm one of those, like... There's no type of genre of game I won't play, <laughs> for sure. But there's certainly some that get to the table more than most, right? Those, like, really, like, kind of elegant, kind of more abstract Euros that are, like, really in right now, like the Azul and stuff like that. Those have been, like, hitting my table constantly. Sagrada, like, constantly. Like, those ones have been out there. Um, my, my, like, kind of guilty pleasure is really out there dexterity games. So not only, like, things like Tumbling Dice and Pitch Car and things like that, but... um the really obscure ones, like if you've ever seen, uh, it's translated to pirate billiards, but it's like called pirate billion. It's, hmm. it's a crazy like game. It's like a cloth grid where you're like tapping these cannonballs across the bed. Like I'm a sucker for really <laughs> quirky dexterity games. But yeah, all over the board. Favorite game overall is probably Power Grid. Uh, nice. Depends on the day. It might also be Robo Rally, which are two completely different games. But <laughs> nice. it's it's really just all over. I just love all types of games. So, I mean, now you got to combine those, you know, design a uh, heavy economic game with uh, robot programming involved somehow in pits. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Power Grid um, does have the robots in it, too. The, the AI. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. So, <laughs> yeah. And my first game I actually ever got signed was Kings of Aaron, which is an economic game that definitely has a programming theme to it. So those two loves kind of inspired that game a little bit. So Awesome. It's its own beast for sure, but. There's elements of both. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed Dexter games too, and uh, Mike and I have a fun I don't know <laughs> thing going on with Dexter games with us because we are both absolutely horrible with Dexter games. It's just the worst. And so it's really funny whenever we sit down to, to play a dexterity game together because it's like who is going to be the worst one in this game? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I think we lost a game of uh, SEAL Team Flicks. I don't know if you played that, Scott. Oh, uh, we lost that in like two or three rounds. <laughs> uh, so it was it was a little painful. We we, we we did not stop the terrorists from blowing up the Metro. It uh, definitely happened. <laughs> <laughs> so in regards to all these games like playing, um, of course, we're one-stop co-op shops. So we're like playing cooperative games and solo games and uh, competitive games. We don't really cover too much, but I'm curious, like, what's your what's your preference if you had a choice between competitive and co-op? Are you equal opportunity player in that regard? Uh, pretty equal opportunity. So I do a lot of uh, two-player games with my wife. I definitely love cooperative games in, in that vein because when we play just head-to-head, -head, we tend not to lean towards things super competitive. Of course, Pandemic, others. Uh, the Pandemic Legacy series has been great. Codenames Duet 
has also been a yes. fantastic one recently. The cooperative version of Code Names is excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent game. <laughs> now, Scott, how about uh, you and Solo? Because clearly, uh, Tiny Epic, you've got you've got Solo in every single mm-hmm. release. Yeah. And then uh, Warp said from you last year, only a solo game, the solo series in Renegade. And then So You've Been Eaten has two different solo modes. So do you play solo a lot yourself or do you just like to include it in your design? Yeah, uh, good question. So it's, uh, I definitely play a lot more solo games now and it was kind of a, so I believe Tiny Epic Galaxies, whenever we had that on Kickstarter, we were getting a lot of like feedback from the community that they wanted to see a solo version. Um, As a designer, I've always had a, rough solo game that I can play on my by myself like some way to mock up a rule so I can accurately mm. just test like little things out before I you know subject some players to something that might be absolutely <laughs> terrible so, like uh just a way for my my own but for the longest time I was never polishing those I was never making them like super engaging for anyone other than myself testing out rules uh so with galaxies it was kind of the first one I really challenged myself to like get into that solo mode actually make like a polished version and it honestly sparked like a little bit of a love affair with solo games because not only have i been uh doing them in all my tiny epic games but started to discover like really all the stuff that's out there not only just solo modes of good games but some ones that are specifically for solo like the coffee one that i'm drawing a blank on coffee roaster yeah that's excellent i love that game (laughs) so um it, it's funny one. you bring that one up because uh, Warp's Edge totally fired that from my collection and I got rid of it as quickly as I could. <laughs> <laughs> but shh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do think they fill a little bit different niches, but certainly, yeah, they have the same like bag builder thing. Um, ones like Nemo's War, too. For, for some of them, like Nemo's War is a little bit on the complicated side, so it's kind of nice that I don't have to teach anyone that game because it has a fair <laughs> lot of like complexity to it. One of the other ones that really got me into solo play was a uh, Freeman Freeze's finished game. I'm not sure if yeah. you've had a chance to play that one, but like, it's so addictive. I, I used to just have that on my table, like all the time. And I would just put in a hand, like, you know, especially this year working from home, like so many people are and things like that. Like if I needed a 15 minute break, I would just run through a hand real quick and probably lose, but you know, still enjoy <laughs> Play a lot of solo games, and I guess that kind of maybe that ties into a little bit of this latest solo game that's on Kickstarter right now as we're recording it. Uh, so you've been eaten. Uh, so what what is this game about? Can you well, how do you pitch this to listeners that haven't heard about it yet? Yeah, so so you've been eaten is you know one of the most common themes in gaming. It's about a space astronaut who has gotten swallowed by a giant space beast and is trying to survive that manic. Uh, digestive system and try to get their crystals make their company happy and then the beast is just trying to cure their stomach ache of this you know miner who's dislodged in their intestinal tract going through so tale as old as time um, <laughs> um yeah, i remember the uh, the disney movie on that one that was good you know yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, uh, you know i think it was originally a grim's fairy tale when they got adapted it was just um, I think that's how it goes, if I remember correctly. So yeah, completely plagiarized, but you know, getting some success with it. Uh, yeah, so it's a it's a quirky, like very quirky theme, of course. Some stuff that goes on in my own life. I have on the side is uh, well, on the side, like I, I have uh, Crohn's disease, which is like an autoimmune disorder, and it's about um, it's all about basically your digestive system going out of whack. It's uncomfortable, embarrassing, all that jazz. Don't have to go super into it, but. 
having been diagnosed with that about 10 years ago, still struggling with and things like that. Wanted to approach it in my gaming space in a little bit of a quirky way. Um, I've definitely ex like expressed some personal things through my games before, like little me wanted to be a paleontologist. I made a game, Great Dinosaur Rush, based on my love of paleontology. So like sometimes so fashion project. This one was a little bit personal and just trying to hit it in like a really quirky way. It actually started off as just a solo game of this miner trying to survive this digestive system, taken to this quirky abstract degree that didn't really tell much about my personal story, but just kind of where it was inspired by. And, and that's basically what I pitched to the team over at Ludi Creation was this crazy solo game with a weird theme. They were like, this is great. Like we love weird themes. This is fun. Let's make it weirder. <laughs> so um, they said, well, why don't we have someone be able to control the beast as well? We got some ideas for how that might work. You know, you could design this, but we got like, well, let's challenge ourselves to make this even weirder. And then like, then as we got into it, they're like, oh, well now we can have like a solo game for the miner and a solo game for the beast. And then they could play together and to be asymmetric. And that's going to be awesome. And then at one point we just said, well, if you have like an automated version of the one automated version of the other, you get that, you get that fabled zero player game where two automated ones go up against each other, which is of course what every designer is striving for. <laughs> uh, I believe Reiner Knizia is still chasing after it. Um, I don't know if you would be. Uh, I don't know if you'd be surprised or not, Scott. But I got because uh, I did a playthrough on the channel for people watching who haven't seen it on yeah. the uh, the main YouTube channel, and uh, I got a lot of comments being like, "Now you got a zero? No, <laughs> I'm not going to take my time to show you that. That's it's fine. You can play it yourself once you get the game. Uh, but yeah, so the the zero player, it's it, it is mythic, and I'm glad you have finally achieved it. You well, know? It's nice because you can I, put the game on the shelf and it logs plays for you automatically, right? Is that how it works? So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all, as you know, gamers, have a problem of games just sitting on ourselves going unplayed. I have solved that problem for you. <laughs> so that alone is a reason to jump on and back this game. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious because you said that um, you pitched this idea and it sounded like, oh, by the way, we want to make it so the, the you can play as the monster, for example. Was the game originally just a solo one-sided minor play and then you added this other stuff or what did it start as yeah so it was originally like the the minor and the beast was like the automated version of it and the cool thing about it is whenever we it was honestly like a little bit even more streamlined than it is now as far as like the decision like it was a little bit lighter um so one of the cool things that whenever we went down this path of taking what was an automated beast making it meaty enough that a player would like really enjoy it is that we made the miners experience better so by making this really cool beast one that's like, they also feel very different. Like something mm -hmm. that's very engaging to play as a beast player, like the publisher, that's actually their now favorite side to play. Like that's <laughs> given the choice, they choose the beast first. Uh, although I do recommend the minor first if you're just learning the game, but it's it ended up like lifting up both sides when we did it. So it was a very fulfilling development route for it it just made the game that much better which was great yeah it's interesting for me to hear that having played both sides because i think the beast is the meteor side in my opinion yeah. like i think it, it kind of hurt my brain a little bit sometimes yeah. to look at all those uh, stomach cards and try to figure out the right ones to lay out whereas 
the miners kind of like see to your pants. What are my dice like? Give me this turn, yeah, you know, like right. what can I blast? Uh, so yeah, nice job. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's exactly how I would describe it. Like, yeah, the, the miners like very like quick tactical, like these are the dice I got. How am I going to like manage this little resources I got? And then the beast is like much more of like a head game, like trying yeah. to outwit the miner and, and then has to be very predictive, very forward thinking in it. It's really funny how they balanced out of it. But yeah, it's they both feel very asymmetric. It's definitely not, they're by no means trying to accomplish the same goal, just with <laughs> disparate mechanics. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's it, it was a really fun development path in that way because I just saw both sides get better by turning it into that two-player game. Even this both solo plays are better because of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And with this play style, you're talking about how like the minor plays very differently than the the monster that seems like it would be pretty challenging to try to balance those two sides so that, that two asymmetric plays and how do you go about balancing that those those styles yeah uh, having the solo versions helped a lot for like just some initial like feel of it but you have to play with a person in order to actually test out those modes so luckily two players is a little bit easier to get onto the table uh, <laughs> yeah. it's so yeah, it's it's just repetitions. It's if I get it like a little theoretical about game design stuff, like there's a bunch of tools a game designer can use to like iron out balance issues. Like naturally by other people being in the game, it balances things out just by players' interaction. Like if people have similar sets of actions, if there's just gonna be a natural set of balancing if they're able to impact the other people. But with asymmetry, when people don't have the same footing, some of those just natural stuff that comes out goes out the window. So it just puts more emphasis on actually just putting in the work and getting in the play test and things like that. Cause you can't put in any like cheap, cheap tricks of like letting players kind of balance the game themselves by like hindering other players or uh, any other like mechanics you might throw in like drafting or auction that are like naturally balancing agents that you can put into a game. Both of those tend not to do super well solo anyway, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so asymmetric games and i think one of the reasons why they're just not done so often and this is the first like truly asymmetric game i'm pretty sure i have coming out um definitely ones with like unique player powers things like that but like truly different mechanics it just it, it's just putting in the time for play testing it's i, I wish there was some kind of shortcut for it that would be great <laughs> no magic formula <laughs> not that i've discovered at least okay <laughs> Well, yeah, and I was going to, uh, I wanted to compliment you on, on, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the game. Anybody who's watched my video already knows that, but, um, a, a couple things that really stood out to me kind of in the solo experiences you designed. I like how you did the constant pressure on both sides. Mm-hmm. So for those who haven't seen the game, you've got, uh, the, the robot miner increasing there. What, what's that track called? It's like the little like evolution track of the robot miner. Yeah, it's the replication track. Kind of yeah, thing. the replication track. And then kind of on a, in a similar vein, but on the alien side, the beast side, you've got the uh, constantly coming out uh, kind of evolution cards. Mm-hmm. And both those force you to deal with them frequently enough, or you get this auto win for the other side. But probably, probably my favorite thing thematically and mechanically is uh, that eventually you get pooped out. The miner gets <laughs> yes, pooped out. Yes. But but it's it's really like it's 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 goofy as heck to say, but it's a really lovely uh, kind of choice in each of yeah. your play sessions because you have to decide whether you're going to race for one of the auto win conditions mm-hmm. or fight find kind of the long poop game as it were, you know, and uh, and come out because uh, if you, if you get pooped out for those who haven't seen the game yet, you got to compare the victory points of both sides. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, like some really nice stuff going on there. Uh, yeah, just a good jam. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it. And then we couldn't resist the temptation of there being three different ways of winning. The one you mentioned is definitely ending number two. We just could not <laughs> ending number two resist it. <laughs> it is no matter how sophisticated the design, we just cannot resist. So. <laughs> You're all sitting there in your top hats, sipping mimosas. You're like, oh, I know, number two. <laughs> I also want to call out, speaking of goofy references like that, in the in the rule book, there's not enough games out there that have tardigrades in them. And I know it's not really in the game per se, but in the rule books, you have a call out to a tardigrade. And I got really excited when I saw that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so those, yeah. anyone who's not familiar with them, they're like these microscopic organisms that are like, can survive in space whatever they're pretty pretty cool we should look them up but anyway yeah no but it was a really cool really cool design i had fun playing it 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 was it was very fun i that was it's the theme i think is what gets me the most on this game just because it's such a well unique theme i know we were joking about earlier but it is so unique and it just kind of makes sense like getting back to what mike's saying about the whole you know i'm running out of cards so what happens you kind of went through the whole stomach i Went out the other end. It just makes sense, right? So it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> the the only major uh, the only major complaint I have, Scott, is is just how violent it is if you collect all the crystals. Like, did he really have to have the miner trigger his jetpack and just blow? I mean, it's it's just an occupational hazard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just. I mean, we we designed the game based on the facts. It's not like um, we went for the simulation route. <laughs> So Did you it, also... it definitely gave me vibes of uh of Galaxy Trucker. I don't know if you played yeah. that. Like kind of oh, like this yeah. weird, Fantastic. like kind of yeah. uh like the mundanity of this insane occupation of people like <laughs> about to die in horrible situations they should never be in. Oh sorry, Steve, yeah. I keep on cutting you off. Go ahead. This <laughs> is also laughing at like you're going through the stomach. And there's a random tool on the ground. Oh, that was Phil from like last week. He was in this monster before. Let me, let me take this for myself, you know. Just like yeah. <laughs> That's just how silly this thing was. It's cracked me up. So. <laughs> yeah, this was, was a pretty cool game. I'm curious, though. Like, what was the hardest thing for you when it came to designing this game? The biggest challenge. Ooh. I'm tempted to say just making sure both sides were, were even. So there was definitely an initial challenge of, you know, that step going from the solo game to the two-player game where, you know, I had the game in my head for a while of taking that additional step of, like, turning it into a two-player game. But that said, when we talked it through, it was just so intriguing. I just, even though it was hard, I just had to run with it. But yeah, so I'd probably have to say the balancing of the asymmetrical part and just making sure those were even. Because it was, um, yeah, it just takes a lot of repetitions uh, to get it right. And uh, it's definitely not the most glorious part of game design <laughs> to get it, to get that in. Just like the reps and agonizing over particular points or uh, is this immune response card the right cost and things like that. But uh, I, I would probably say that was the hardest part just because I couldn't use so many just that you can tend to put into other designs and you couldn't really rely on the, rely on the players balancing each other out mm. on different footing, even if the footing is equal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, uh, that, makes, that makes sense. That does sound very challenging. There's no just trying to balance those two asymmetric and they do play very different, so... And then on the uh, on the other side, like that was most challenging. But like, what are you most proud of with this design? 
so happy with how it turned out uh because i also had to give so much credit to ludy creation for just seeing the awesome vision for like getting like quan chai to do the art and mm -hmm. just the, the final package just came together like so well and the like collector's edition they have the kickstarter with like the the very specialized like crystal tokens and the three layered yeah. board and th like they just put so much love and care into it um but there's not a lot of stuff i can control so i guess for the stuff i can control i, I think i'm happy that it just genuinely plays fun at all different play counts like it offers yeah. two fun unique solo games and a really unique two-player experience that really doesn't really feel like anything else you have on your shelf because obviously there's a lot of uniqueness built in and just that it actually does that feel like that unique um play and yeah i just find a lot to be proud of in the design um but yeah if i had to pick one it would be that it does genuinely feel fun at all player counts mm -hmm. Maybe not zero. I mean, zero. <laughs> Maybe not zero players. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ludic Creations is uh, in our chat too, uh, making some fun comments in there. So, like, uh, pull up one of them real quick here that uh, talking about the Tardigrade reference goes to the graphic designer. So, yes, thank you, graphic designer. <laughs> Put that in there for me. Loved yeah, it. I, so. I would say the majority of the humor and stuff in the rule book. I mean, obviously the initial theme, but they ran with it and just. <laughs> Took it to places I could not imagine. Just the sense <laughs> of humor they put in there and just the flavor, like how, yeah, I just so happy with it. I think Warp's Edge, uh, you're, you're just on a streak for me because Warp's Edge was my number one or number two solo game of last year, I want to say. And I covered like over 100. So, <laughs> remember, um, we'll just say number one for the sake of the podcast. Yeah, no, like I, I've only played a few tiny epic games. I know Steve is, is a, you want, you want to hold up the giant uh, crate again, Steve, just to <laughs> get your bona fide bona fides out there. There, you go. Uh, there we go. <laughs> One handed too. Nice job. But yeah, man, like, uh, I, I don't know. The, you Talk about the fun of So You've Been Eaten, because that is the thing that stands out to me the most, just like kind of the goofy fun of it. And then Warp's Edge, just pulling these tokens out of this bag and trying to fight these giant boss. Really impressed. Like, I'm a designer too. We're, I'm working on my games right now, and, and you, you are doing some great work, so. Yeah, th th thank, thank you for your contributions to solo gaming. <laughs> no, I've really been enjoying the solo space because I'm warp. I also have the uh, the simply solo series with button shy games too. It's been fun. It's such a fun place to play in, like the solo games. I'm only expecting it to get bigger across the board. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think I'm having many conversations with publishers who are like, well, what about the solo version? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Things like that. So, so a little uh, behind the scenes information here. Uh, Ludic Creations has mentioned that their joke writing budget, it was 81% of the cost of the game, just so you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting the latest news in well, here. That... <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah, this, is, this is a silly... I mean, yeah, they, they got to pay those people well. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, I guess we've talked about some, like I mentioned Warp's Edge, uh, and you mentioned uh, that you have upcoming designs. Is there anything else you want to like talk about beyond? Uh, I mean, I know so you've been eating. It's on Kickstarter right now. If you got two weeks left, and it's made a little bit of money, a little bit, <laughs> like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I think all this. Yeah, right? I am super pleased by the results <laughs> of it. Uh, but yeah, as far as upcoming stuff, I guess I could say so. There might be others, uh, but. <laughs> just maybe leave that statement there do you want to talk a bit about tiny epic dungeons i know the kickstarter uh finished for that right but that, that was a yeah. very successful one yeah uh that just finished up yesterday at like midnight so mm -hmm. uh, it was our biggest one yet super thrilled by the response for it uh over a mil right? we did on that one 
a little over two million actually. Two million? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I was yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, we uh, our fans really came out for it, which was just fantastic because the the tiny epic games like we try to approach like each big theme like with as much love and care as we do like if you know you are a love of dungeon crawlers like this is gonna hit all those things and the two actually most difficult designs that i've done as was pirates in dungeons uh Hmm. for both i felt different reasons pirates just frustrating i just could not get the right i had like probably four really pretty decent flesh out prototypes that i just completely i'll say scuttled keep on things <laughs> um, to to get in like i wanted to do pirates probably like two or three years ago and i just cannot get it right so like when i finally like got the one that i'm like yes this is it um showed it to gameland they were excited about it like it was very thrilling because that was our biggest kickstarter at the moment mm-hmm. dungeons didn't really have any major pivots like that one but the challenge is is that it is such a beloved theme in the gaming industry yeah and whenever people think about like a dungeon call they're like imagining how they felt when they were playing D or those really big box dungeon games like descent and things like that and there's mm-hmm. just a lot of expectations that come with it which is intimidating as a designer because i don't feel like i have a blank slate as far as what you want your experience to be because you want to be able to do things like I want to sneak in the shadows. I want to cast spells. I want to collect a bunch of equipment. I want to do all this stuff. And you start like listing those and you're like, oh my, my rule book. Oh no, it's going to be like, I have to do a thousand things. So dungeons, all the work was making it like, was streamlining, uh, trying to get as much of that, like big experience to the one. And it just, I'm very thrilled with the final product, but it was one of the more intimidating was it has, I don't want to use the word baggage. It just has a lot of like expectations or something. It's just such a beloved. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of interpretations of the theme. A lot of, a lot of people like have their, like, I mean, I was a dungeon master for a while. Like when you say dungeon call, like I have like big meaningful experiences that I want to see in there with my friends and getting that small and including as many of those as I can was a challenge, Mm. but that's kind of the challenge of the series too. But this one just had a lot more. (laughs) I'm curious too, because I mean, we talked about like Warp's Edge and uh, so how you've been eating. These are like your bigger, bigger box, uh, not like huge box, but bigger box, you know, board games as a, as opposed to Tiny Epic, which you're kind of constrained to that box size. And I'm curious, like how, what's it like trying to design for something that smaller box versus designing something like So You've Been Eaten? For, for Tiny Epic, in, in some ways it's freeing because you're able to cut things out just because it's not going to work box size. Like mm-hmm. uh, it's whatever I'm looking at, you know, seven different paths to go, I can narrow it down to maybe two or three right off the bat, just to make sure. Um, One nice thing is it helps me fight the urge of adding in additional mechanics and a different stuff, because that tends to come with additional components. So it's kind of also a forcing us to keep it like very streamlined. It's it's just kind of funny because it's the feeling we want. It's supposed to feel bigger than the components are. Uh, Well, a lot of the other designs, you're just trying to get everything like as a appropriate as it can be like um and honestly for sometimes in game design and going on a little bit of a tangent sometimes components will just make a game not viable mm-hmm. like i have this incredibly fun mix of a stacking and trick-taking game that is just tons of fun whatever i've tested it rave reviews but the components 
for like a trick taking game where you can get a trick taking game for you know ten bucks. <laughs> Amigo puts out you know thirty different variants a year, uh, and you know people it's just a deck of cards you can compete with and things like that. Like a sixty dollar plus wooden de- dexterity game is not fitting that market. Sure. Um, so it's it is interesting because. Um, with Tiny Epic, like I'm factoring in component decisions from like just the very first draft, and with most other designs, I do not do that. I I expand out the game, kind of get the feel of it, get my base mechanics, and then I start to size components, trim, and stuff like that for what's appropriate for that kind of package. But for Tiny Epic, it's day one. I know I'm not going to have a giant like fold out board. Although we did get to have those super cool cloth boards and tactics. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We are a little surprised with sometimes what we do fit in the box. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, yeah, we're, we're just thinking about like the components from like the very first step. And, um, you know, it means I'm constantly like messaging my publisher too, being like, so like, what weighs more, like a couple cardboard <laughs> tokens or like three cards? Because I need to make a call for which direction I would go here. <laughs> um, I'm surprised with what he's letting me got away with recently for how packed those boxes are. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've received your copy of Pirates yet. Not yet. Uh, Don's way. Yeah, it's, uh, it is hard to get back into the box. You can do it. It takes just a second of thought and it makes me laugh thinking back to like our first first edition of tiny epic dungeon or tiny epic defenders which actually had a cardboard insert in it like i can't even imagine having that much space left in the box anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think they're getting tired and tired as you go because i uh, i've been sleeving most of them actually because i honestly i got that problem <laughs> but uh i uh i've been noticing lately that like okay this is getting more and more challenging to fit back in the box so i'm i'm wondering if pirate time i won't be able to sleep but that's that's fine so <laughs> yeah so running out of a few just a few more questions here that we've got prepared um in the chat if you have questions you want to ask here drop them in there we'll get them answered you talked about different themes that you've done you talk about pirates you talk about doing a dungeon crawl you talked about this this awesome hey i'm a miner in a, in a monstrous belly are there any genres or themes you haven't designed a game for that's on your bucket list there are certainly some once i'll say one's top of mind but i'm not gonna mention it because it's gonna be our next tiny epic <laughs> okay <laughs> so if i think of stuff that's not uh which i'll also support it's been great um but uh other other big themes i do enjoy kind of diving into like a little bit of a quirkier theme like for example i have a whiskey making game coming out with luke or with uh spielworks in two years which i'm really excited about i'll be the first time working with them pittsburgh is the place of the whiskey rebellion as well and i've always been very curious to actually make like a historically themed game based on that um i think it would also be one that would lend itself very well to a solo game or a very asymmetric two-player game as well um I don't have a good mechanical idea for it, but that's one I've been kind of like scratching on my notebook a little bit. I would not be surprised if I returned to dinosaurs again, just because mm. a little bit of a passion area. I have two dinosaur games already. I got Tiny Epic Dinosaurs, then I got the Great Dinosaur Rush. Would not be surprised if I revisit that at some point in time, because it's a theme that just keeps popping up. It's too fun. <laughs> I got to do this one of these questions. I'm sorry. So, Luda, Luda Creations um, has a question. Uh, were any pirates hurt in the making of Tiny Epic Pirates? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
on the record or off the record? <laughs> yeah. I will just say that any injuries took place in international waters. There you go. Not a- <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. Good answer. Um, well, yeah, and I see one uh, from Danielle Wong. This mm-hmm. is uh, certainly close to my heart. Uh, do you ever watch playthrough videos people do of your games and take the time to point out all the mistakes they make? <laughs> So my funny reaction to that, uh, well, I hope it's a little fun, is that so during development, we, of course, are changing so many different things. There's so many different variations of each rule in the box, especially, I mean, even coming down to things like when you're drawing cards, how many cards you're drawing, like so many different variations of that, that um, a lot of times when it comes to whatever, we're just about to kickstart a game. Uh, that's a lot of times whenever I'm really watching like the playthrough videos because they're going to be demonstrating yeah. the, the game for everyone who's going to hopefully see, you know, engage with the game, see what they like. Um, and the last thing we want to do is actually misrepresent the game in any way. Right. Um, I think there's an understanding that rules might change because we're still ironing out some final things, but definitely want it to be as accurate as possible. So those are the ones I watch like the closest um, and are normally shared with me to review. When I spot a rule error, my instinct is almost that I got it wrong first because I forgot what we changed it to. Because <laughs> normally when it's like a mistake, it's a... And I'm trying to think what a particular one um, wasn't the one for So You've Been Eaten, but it was a, a recent one that Rado had done that he he did the right rule, but I was like thinking the old rule. Mm. And like... <laughs> We ended up like revisiting the whole thing on it and his his videos stayed the way it was but sometimes when i do catch mistakes too they're actually just the mistake they feel felt natural to them playing the game and it's like a variant of a rule that we've already tried and maybe was in the game for a while so i watch the playthroughs and i doubt myself for what the current rules are <laughs> and just like um so one thing and just a real long way of saying it is that like I have to be like laser focused on my rule book as we go through because there's just so many different versions as we go through. And um, so, yeah, watch playthroughs. I just always amazed by how well they can get it off, even like in development rule books. Um, the So You've Been Eating rule books like solid. So I think we treated our reviewers very well there. But <laughs> for some other games, it's still like my copy before anyone's edited it and things like that. And you know, space bees have mercy on their souls. So, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, I don't have any other questions. I think, unless you've got one, Mike. No, I mean, I'm just uh, really happy to uh, keep playing your games, man. So mm-hmm. keep it up. And I'll have to borrow some more tiny epics from uh, Steve if I can pry them out of his dead fingers. You know, it's probably what it'll take. <laughs> yeah. He has it in that carry case, so it's like pretty easy just to take. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, just put like a box around it. It's already good. <laughs> I think uh, pirates, yeah, pirates and dungeons will not fit in here anymore because because there's not enough space. Need another another one of those now. <laughs> so <laughs> cool, but yeah, no, this was a blast talking to this, Scott. I really appreciate you taking time. I just get to join us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, everybody go check out uh, So You've Been Eaten on Kickstarter right now. You got like two weeks about. You should definitely pledge it. I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> and then please check it out. A lot of space I mean, I already, yeah. harmed in development. <laughs> yeah. 
And I do have the link to the Kickstarter on this video, so you can find it there. Um, but also, Scott, if people want to reach out to you, where's the best place to to reach to find you? Uh, so I'm on Board Game Geek uh, very often. It's pretty easy to find me on there, send me a message, things like that. Uh, also on Twitter is Scott underscore Alms. Um, I not a super often poster, but I'm reachable there as well. Uh, Board Game Geek is probably the best best way. If uh, I imagine mo most of the people listening are aware of that site, but that's uh, you know as most gamers, I'm on there daily. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, and Scott, we did get one uh, another question from a viewer. Mm -hmm. um, is there a way, if somebody specifically likes all of your designs, to easily keep up with the new stuff coming from the amazing Scott? That is a very flattering question. And <laughs> I, I'm looking to the side on, I've had like this just working sheet of paper about putting up actually a good website that has like a newsletter on it. And it's been on my to-do list for like two, three years. And <laughs> if you actually go to my Twitter, like it has a link to a super old WordPress site that I've not touched in like probably four years at this point. <laughs> Like, if you go on it, it's like, hey, I designed Tiny Epic Kingdoms. <laughs> that was like, you know, how many ago? Um, so I guess stay tuned. Hopefully I will finally get actually a nice way to organize my work and have somewhat of a professional web presence, unlike what I have now. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that was a very flattering question, so I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, I think it's going to wrap up our interview. Thanks again, Scott. And thanks, Mike, for joining me as always. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, Scott. And thanks, everyone, for joining us live on YouTube. And uh, we'll see you at the next stop. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list.